Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're Out to Lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business, Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Water is essential for life on Earth, and indeed water covers two-thirds of our planet. We can't live without it. But living with it, managing it, trying to control it and make it do what we want it to do is an ever-present challenge, especially in South Louisiana, where we're surrounded by lakes, rivers, bayous, and a gulf that is eating away at our battered coastline and inching ever closer to our inland areas. With me today to discuss this is Scott Nesbitt, a wetlands ecologist and the owner of Natural Resource Professionals, a consulting firm that provides regulatory expertise to municipalities, industrial interests, and developers within South Louisiana. The firm's regulatory expertise includes conducting surveys and site studies required to identify wetlands and secure the necessary permits from the Army Corps of Engineers. Scott is also an investor in and manager of the Spanish Lake Mitigation Bank, which helps drain much of Ascension and Iberville parishes. Scott has been in the business since 1987, when the Army Corps officially recognized wetlands as a regulated waters of the U.S., since that time, he's gained widespread experience as a technical and regulatory specialist. Scott, it's a pleasure to have you here on Out to Lunch today. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. With me and Scott is Ken Rust, owner of Enterprise Aquatics, a Baton Rouge-based company that specializes in water and water management in several distinct ways. Enterprise Aquatics has two subsidiaries. One, Louisiana Pond Management, manages ponds and lakes, large and small, for aesthetics, water quality, and sport fish production. The other is a newer company called Small Scale Aquaponics, which specializes in water-based food production, including aquaculture, aquaponics, and hydroponics. And Ken's going to tell us about the difference between those three. Ken is a native of Louisiana and a graduate of LSU with a degree in aquaculture and fisheries. He's been in the business for more than two decades. Ken, thanks so much for being here today on Out to Lunch. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, Scott, so tell us, how, how did you become a, a wetlands ecologist? And and wetlands are, are not the same thing as, as, as a floodplain, right? But wetlands is a is a term that gets thrown around loosely out there. And we got a lot of them in Louisiana. But that's right. What are we talking about when we really are talking about wetlands? And well, wetlands um, wetlands are defined by the uh, uh, in the Clean Water Act. So there's actually a technical description of wetlands. <clears throat> and to back up on your questions, um, I got into wetlands in kind of a funny way. I was in um, graduate school at LSU in agronomy. Okay. <clears throat> in the 80s, and so um, it turns out that one of the components of a wetlands are certain types of soils called hydric soils. And so as an agronomist, I kind of started becoming interested in wetland soils, did my graduate work in wetland soils, and then wetlands became regulated. So uh, I was one of the few agronomists in the area that actually had a technical and education training in soils, so I just started doing wetland delineations. I had a background also in uh, plant, uh, plant taxonomy, and so I just kind of backed into the wetlands business <clears throat> and have been in it kind of ever since. And the timing was sort of right. Because Ta- of thank the, goodness it was right. Huh? Okay. <laughs> And, and Ken, sort of in a related 
in a related field. You're in, in aquaculture and, and pond management. Correct. Okay. And so what exactly do y'all do? So on the pond management side of things, we are regularly visiting ponds and lakes. We're going through there and we're monitoring vegetation that's there, keeping that under control. Frequently our, our ponds have a, a high degree of nutrients in them, and so that's always a challenge, especially in Louisiana where we have several nuisance species that can arrive on the scene um, by animals or just simple flooding and, and that sort of thing. Um, and then we also are improving those ponds. We're testing the water. We're trying to improve that with beneficial bacteria, aeration additions, and that can, can get into the aesthetics as well. So we're really preserving and improving people's property values with that asset of water on site. Now, are most of these ponds, ponds that are dug like for retention in, say, a new subdivision to help hold water that runs off? Many of those are uh, there for apartment complexes, homeowners associations and developments, as well as commercial properties. Um, and then we also work a great deal with, with private homeowners um, and landowners to do sport fish production or just simple aesthetics on their property as well. Okay, very good. Now, now, Scott, um, what does a wetlands ecologist do? How, how are you able to delineate when you go out in the field and, and the engineers that work with you? How do you know whether it's a like, wetlands or hydro <clears throat> hydraulic soil? Well, hydraulic every, soil. Yeah, the, the, um, there is a, a clear uh, definition that the Army Corps of Engineers implements, the Clean Water Act Section 404 regulations. And under those r regulations, um, there's a uh, definition of wetlands and then there's also an extensive field manual on how to determine what is a wetland and, or what's not a wetland. So there's three criteria of a wetlands. Uh, basically you have to have a wetland soil, wetland vegetation or vegetation that thrives in saturated soils is really how, better to explain it. <clears throat> um, so you have soils and then the last one which is the hardest to determine is wetland hydrology okay. and is there wetland presence or the, is there water or saturated soils present on the property to the surface for a certain period of time. So you do these delineations, you follow the manual, but the only official wetlands can be claimed by the, or determined by the Corps of Engineers. We send a report to them, to their surveillance and enforcement division. They review our wetland delineation and then they approve a map. And that map becomes a legal document, which actually designates wetlands on a property. And, and I know a lot of developers, you know, they sort of throw up their hands or they frown or they don't want to have to deal with it because it's, it's so expensive. But, but the government recognizes the importance of, of preserving this land because this is what helps us drain naturally, right? It, it's very tough in Louisiana because we have about 30% of, of the nation's wetlands are in south Louisiana. So of the whole country's uh, wetlands. Except for Alaska. So, wow. the, so anytime you do any big project, if you impact more than a quarter, a tenth of an acre of wetlands, then it requires a wetland permit. And that starts that whole expensive process. So developers, you know, I feel for them very much. I mean, it's a tough process. It's a long process and it's expensive to get your wetlands identified and permitted, but they do have to go through it. It is required by federal law. And then I want to talk to you about mitigation banking because that's that's a really interesting and related part of it. But Ken, tell us about, so, so you do the pond management, one of your companies, but you've also moved into this newer business of aquaponics. Correct, and aquaponics is sort of the marriage between recirculating aquaculture, where you're growing fish in an in intensive recirculating system, okay. and hydroponics, which is growing food and plants 
without soil. It's, it's strictly growing those in water with fertilizer and that, that process done correctly will, will bring a, a really increase, a nice increase in production, about 25% increase in production because the, the plants aren't using structural roots, they're using strictly um, feeder roots. And the marriage of those two uh, is very nice uh, because you're, you're capturing the fish waste that would otherwise just be expelled and wasted. You're, you're making that into a productive fertilizer to put into a hydroponic system. And, and so the marriage of those two, you're producing fish as well as vegetable produce. And so what are you all growing right now? Um, there's just about anything that you can grow in a garden. You can grow hydroponically, depending on the technique. Um, lettuce is very common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's kale delicious. Is, it's really right, good. Yeah. It's so mild and sweet. Um, tomatoes. Um, you can do watermelons. They do papayas in some areas. We don't do that here. But, um, you know, one of the newest things on the scene is, is hemp and cannabis and medical uh, medical marijuana is also grown hydroponically okay. uh, quite frequently and then also um, with aquaponics is, is one of the leading things as well. And so are you all growing them or are you all contract with growers to help them do it hydroponically? Or we help them design and, and install systems okay. to grow that. So we have our first one is in Memphis and that was prior to um, hemp growth legalization in Louisiana. So we have a system actively growing in Memphis, uh, Tennessee. Um, and then we uh, recently are doing some designs for, for other companies here in uh, South Louisiana. I want to talk to you about wetlands mitigation banking because if, for instance, a developer is trying to develop a big piece of property, you find out they have a lot of wetlands on it, they have to offset, right? the cost of developing on that. One way they do that is through mitigation banks. Tell us how those work and the whole credit system. Okay, um, it's, I'm gonna try to keep it simple because it, it's ridiculously complicated how yeah. it came about. But <clears throat> um, when, when uh, permit applicants that are gonna impact wetlands, uh, to get their permit, they have to offset the wetland impact, which is really a wetland habitat. And so they can purchase what's called wetland credits. And one of the places that you, you would get a wetland credit is a wetland mitigation bank. So a wetland mitigation bank typically is a big piece of land <clears throat> that was historically a wetlands that's been damaged or changed by agriculture or drainage projects or something that caused the function of that wetland to kind of be damaged. So uh, someone that opens a bank will buy the land, they'll make a, a big um, study and, and improve the property to be a wetlands again. And when they do that, the formal process, the Corps of Engineers will acknowledge so many credits. So you have, that's why it's called a bank. You have a wetland bank on one side. So a developer can go to that wetland bank and buy the credits needed to offset the wetland impact that he's having on his property. And the process is regulated through the permitting process. And so that's why banks are, are around here or, or can be a good business just because there's always a need, there's a market need. And it's, it's all completely regulated by the Corps. And do you have to buy credits from a bank in the same area where you are developing, or can you go to another state, well, say? <clears throat> the regulations, wetland banking's been around for 20 years, and we've been, our company's been involved for 20 years. In the early days, you could kind of go out of what's called the watershed, uh -huh. right? Nowadays, you want to be in the watershed, the Corps wants you to be in the watershed, and you also want to have the same kind of habitat. 
if it's bottomland hardwood forest or a cypress swamp, they want you to mitigate that type of habitat. So in-kind and in-watershed is the going rule these days. Now, you mentioned mitigation, and I know one of the things, and, and we've talked about this, Scott and Ken, you're sort of in this business too. Um, one of the big things that a developer is required to do when they build to mitigate the potential drainage and flooding issues of their new project is to build a pond, a retention pond, a detention pond. I mean, Ken, do you all keep these ponds from filling in? Because I know that's a problem, is a lot of times these ponds are not um, monitored over the years, right? They're, they might, they're built to code, presumably, hopefully, but then who's going in there and checking them and making sure that they don't fill in so that they continue to drain? Well, you know, there are several things that are filling the pond. So we have true erosion where you have, you know, a soil that's not going to degrade, that's going into the pond, and then we have the annual input of, of different types of organic materials, be that grass clippings or litter or um, leaf litter from a natural um, fall in South Louisiana. And so those are all going in there. Seldom do ponds digest everything that they're receiving on an annual basis, even if it's organic. And so filling in is a natural process for most ponds. God does not make ponds. We make ponds, and they have a lot of naturally occurring bad behavior. Filling is one of them. And they are on a natural progression towards turning back into land. And managing those and kind of keeping aging off of those ponds is one thing we do with um, discouraging that material going in in the first place, trying to monitor that, educating the people in the neighborhood to not spray their grass clippings directly into the pond or put those out by storm drain where they'll feed directly in. And, and, and other, you know, just really basic things for them to avoid some of that. Um, also, we monitor, we add beneficial bacteria which help to consume some of these organics once that, they are, um, that they've gotten into the pond. And aeration is one of those, those processes. So adding mechanical aeration um, with it, it does. It helps the pond to breathe and it helps the, the microorganisms that are breaking down those organics to continue in a, in a, in a nice, uh, aggressive fashion. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Ken Rust of Enterprise Aquatics and Scott Nesbitt of Natural Resource Professionals. Scott, we've talked a lot about this, you know, that some of these mitigation measures just are not enough because we keep developing in our floodplain, our natural floodplain in Baton Rouge. Is that why, in your opinion, we're seeing so much um, street flooding now and, and neighborhood flooding that we didn't used to? Well, you know, I have, I have an opinion, and whether it's right or not, I really don't know, but I have been around, I grew up in Baton Rouge, in South Baton Rouge, and I do think we've filled the floodplain, and that's not to say that developers don't follow the rules. They do, and most of the developers I've worked with have been good, good business people, and they, they do follow the letter of the law. They build the retention detention ponds. The, the issue, I think, is in this maintenance. I think the ponds silt in, and they fall out of their uh, requirement. I think the water leaves the property quicker on these developments once the, most of the land's filled. We try to encourage a lot of our developers to keep the wetlands in the property. Let, you know, somehow design it so that water flows through the wetlands and then, uh, you know, is filtered and slowed down and has the natural process. But real estate's expensive when they buy it. So they want every square foot, they want to use every square foot, and they're typically not very interested in avoiding wetlands. The only time they've become more interested in it is when the price of mitigation banking has become so expensive, it's cost prohibitive to develop 
too many wetlands, to fill too many wetlands. And so in that case, maybe they can have a big nature area, they call yes. it, right? They bill it as an amenity, and it, maybe it is an amenity. For and the, it, and for know? a lot of developers that buy, let's say, 500 or 300 acres, typically maybe 100 acres will be wetlands, and they'll just stay out of it. Right, and they build to, around uh, it. They'll build around it. They have to take the cost of that land purchase into the price of their lots, which is difficult. But I think there's some clever uh, designers, and they can use wetlands to sort, uh, to slow their water down and meet their their uh, stormwater requirements as well. It just takes a real uh, creative type of developer to do that. But, you know, it's interesting to talk about it because, I mean, people who have lived here a while, or at least a couple of decades, I mean, they can see that things are getting worse, and there has to be some reason for it, right? Right. And, you know, I mean, not to blame any one thing, but we clearly are, are doing something wrong, and I think it is a combination of, yeah, I mean, of you factors. You look at the acreage that's been filled that used to be the floodplain, it's pretty hard for me to believe that you can reduce your waterways down and in your floodplain down to simple waterways and regulate the discharge of water off your land and not expect some kind of problem with flooding if you fill the floodplain. There's just something wrong in that in that sure. process. And it's a regional issue because we're not Very just talking so. East Baton Rouge, Livingston, Ascension, right, places down downstream from us. Do you all do a lot of work outside of the parish, Ken, um, your companies? We, we do about a two-hour radius, so we're from Slidell to on the other side of Lafayette. Um, we do work in all parts of the state, but, but those are the typical areas where we have contracts that are actively monthly visited. Um, I think uh, the retention ponds are, are what we deal with most frequently, and then we we're called to do other work on, on uh, wa you know, water drainage and, and also some in detention ponds. And, one of the confusing things I, I see out there is that the retention ponds are actually there to store or to prevent flooding. And once they're full, they don't hold any more water. It just runs through. So it's, it's really no different than a, a piece of land there with no additional capacity, whereas a detention pond, um, and I think you mentioned in your article, you know, it could be a soccer field, it could be some other things, but when you have a flood event that can fill and then drain that water out slowly. So that truly mitigates some flooding um, issues like we could have in the last couple right. of days. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, how much competition is there out there for, for what you do? And, and particularly in the aquaponics side of things. I mean, is this a, an emerging new field? Are there many Baton Rouge-based expert companies in this area? There are not. There, um, it's, the, the competition is sort of a, there's a big deficit in the market for um, for knowledge and expertise in aquaponics. Um, even hydroponics is not that common in, in South Louisiana. So I think we have, we have, there's some aquaponics companies as you get to Houston or you get to Atlanta, um, larger players in Colorado, but, but none really in South Louisiana or, or the, the, you know, within probably a four or five hour radius. Okay. What about with, with NRP, Scott, um, are y'all, You've been around a while, and you certainly have, you know, a great reputation. I would imagine as the field has grown, there, there are a lot of competitors. Or? Well, we're, bi we're agronomists, soil, soil scientists, uh, biologists, and that sort of thing. And so <clears throat> wetland consulting is, has always been a subset of engineering, primarily for engineering consulting. And in the last 15 years, I started this company, our company now, there's just been enough body of work to have an independent kind of wetland consulting company. Really? And since we started that, 
and, and so all we do is kind of wetlands, wetlands permitting, and now we've even moved to just doing wetlands mitigation. We've almost left the compliance field altogether just because there's so many people doing now that, that doing, doing wetlands permitting. And the reason why is because it's expensive to do wetlands permitting. It's a federal permit. Some permits for developers can take anywhere from one year to five years to get a permit. You've got to keep your wetland consultant the whole time. So all of a sudden, engineering companies kind of woke up about 10 years ago to the fact that, hey, you know, we want to keep these guys around, even though they're not engineers, just because it's an early permit. Mm -hmm. It's one of the first permits you have to clear. Therefore, you want to have that expertise in your company for the whole development. For instance, we did the permits for LaBerge Casino okay. as a subcontractor for uh, a, a large engineering firm. And that was about a three to five year project. And um, so th it's good business consulting. But as a conservationist at heart, we moved into mitigation banking because our, our real love was to, to restore wetlands and to make mitigation banks and, and restore wildlife and preserve it. So we've been lucky enough to move into more establishing wetland mitigation banks, which are very long-term yeah. businesses. So that's kind of where we are now. And so y'all have one in down in Iberville. Right. Well, our company NRP doesn't. They just do the consulting. I, I am a part owner, a very small part owner. We had to raise investment capital to buy the land and bank. Um, it's 4,000 acres. That's huge. Our, our, it's big, and, and we're expanding, getting ready to expand with a partner to another possibly 4,000 acres. We won a contract with the LSU Ag Center to, to uh, on 900 acres to convert some of their ag land to a mitigation bank. LSU owns the land, and they are a partner. And we're real excited about that. That, that project was uh, publicly bid, and uh, we were one of the companies. We, we won that contract. So we're very excited about it. We look forward to it. Um, but it has been a long time coming. Right. Wetlands are hated by just about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's not a real popular uh, consultant but to be. But they're so important. Yeah. They are, but it is still, it's, it's such a hassle to get a wetlands permit that uh, nobody likes it, uh, developers, municipalities. It's just a necessary evil, as they call it. Ken, tell us, um, what do you see on the horizon for your companies? What are, you, what are your short-term goals looking moving forward? Um, so with Louisiana Pond Management, yeah. we, 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 we have a healthy increase e each year, you know, because of developments and, and new property owners want to take advantage of the water on their property and, and turn that into something productive for themselves. Um, and so we enjoy that growth there. We feel very comfortable with our expertise there. Um, and then the aquaponics and aquaculture, hydroponics side of thing, it's, I, I was saying, you know, the marketing on that is, it's like weeds in a yard. It's not really a lawn yet. It's just weeds popping up in different areas. So we, we're talking with folks in, in Louisiana, but also in Texas and also in California and also in Colorado. And so it, they, they pop up in different areas and, and we're glad to take those on and feel comfortable in digital communication and, and video conferencing has become uh, so easy these days that that's, that's nice as well. Um, so I really see a growth area there. The, the aquaponics hydroponics provides a way for people to be very entrepreneurial, yeah. small farmers, very flexible and nimble. And, and technical, and I think that's very attractive to some of the, the young graduates that are coming out, um, or just young people wanting to get into business. They can they can start a business without owning or purchasing a large piece of land and be very successful. Um, it it, it uh, tunes in well with the farm to table 
uh, movement and, and farmers markets and bringing people closer to their food without transportation and fresher, more nutritious food. So that's some of the things, we feel like that's a real growth area for us and we're ready to meet it. No question. And Scott, what about NRP? What's on your horizon? Well, we're staying with mitigation banking. We have um, uh, potential uh, some potential banks in the coastal zone. Of course, they east southeast Louisiana is taking a real hit with this hurricane. But um, there's a fairly good market for wetlands mitigation banking. So we we're we're going to stay with it. We we're small, we're uh, highly technical. It takes several years to train our employees right out of school, and so we just want to get better at what we do and um, you know try to get as much land. It's a privately it's private conservation, privately owned conservation. So we work with landowners. So we want to work, you know, expand that field as much as we possibly can. Okay. Well, Scott Nesbitt and Ken Rush, you both are doing such great work around water in Louisiana, a land that seems increasingly made up of water. It's been so interesting to hear your ideas and expertise about what's working in water management, what's not, and what we need to be doing in the future. So thank you all so much for taking time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch have been Scott Nesbitt of Natural Resource Professionals and Ken Rust of Enterprise Aquatics. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WRKF. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about natural resource professionals and enterprise aquatics by listening to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch Baton Rouge podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's batonrouge.la. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Out to Lunch Baton Rouge social media. Photos are taken by Eric Ott. You can find more of Eric's photos on Instagram at at Acro. That's A-C-R-E-A-U-X. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show was engineered by J.T. O'Neill. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, and our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you around the table at Mansour's again next week for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily, 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.